We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I discuss the story of Don Lemon going on The View and lecturing the Roman Catholic Church and all other Christians as to what God is all about. So as we prepare for Easter, here's the question. Who defines God? You? Me? Don Lemon? or maybe the Bible. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. We have a couple days before Easter. We're in the middle of Holy Week. We're in the middle of Holy Week. I'll say it one more time. Easter is coming upon us. And what is the message? What is the message of Easter? What is the message of Good Friday? What is the message of the empty tomb, of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? These are the basic questions of the gospel. These are the basic questions that Christianity has answered. And for over 2,000 years, we've celebrated the death, the resurrection, and the godhood the deity of Jesus Christ. This is the message of Christianity. This is the distinction within Christianity that makes it different than other religions. So today I want to talk about Jesus. Who is he? What does the Bible say about Jesus? What do the creeds say about Jesus? What has the church taught about Jesus? And as we talk about this, let's remember the basic questions. Do you have the right? Do I have the right? Does Don Lemon have the right to change that definition of Jesus just because we don't like what we see in Scripture? And we don't like what the church says. Because after all, like Don Lemon says, the Catholic view, the Roman Catholic view, the evangelical view, The traditional view, the orthodox view of Jesus is not what God is all about. That's today's story. Remember that if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash d-r-e-v-e-r-e-t-t-p-i-p-e-r patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. And also, remember that my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe But It's Good, will be released on April 13th in that you can go to Amazon.com right now and pre-order it. Go to Amazon.com, just Google Everett Piper, comma, grow up, and you will be taken directly to the that site for that book. You can order it right now. Grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. So back to today's story before we take a break. Let's just review this story about Don Lemon 
CNN host Don Lemon lecturing the Roman Catholic Church and all other Christians on The View, where he declared that if he had been given direct inspiration from God, that the traditional definition of marriage is not what God is about. He suggested that racial segregation and other forms of segregation are ultimately responsible for Christians' supposedly backward definition of marriage. Don Lemon accused the Roman Catholic Church and the Vatican of being bigoted and segregationist in its thinking with regard to its ruling on same-sex unions. He declared that they were being combative and divisive, and that the orthodox view of the doctrine of marriage is not what God is all about. I respect people's rights to believe in whatever they want to believe in their God, Lemon began, before immediately launching into an attack on the faith of conservative Christians. So you can believe whatever you want to believe. I respect your right to believe whatever you want to believe about God, says Don Lemon. But then he turns around and starts attacking you if you don't believe the way he believes. Again, it's the nature of the progressive mind. They saw off the branch upon which they sit. They really do not believe in tolerance. They're the most intolerant among us. I respect you, but not unless you agree with me. You will be made to care. He then goes on and says this, but if you believe in something that hurts another person or that does not give someone the same rights or freedoms, not necessarily under the Constitution because this is under God, whatever that means, it's kind of garbled sentence from him, but he doesn't respect you if you believe something that hurts another person. Well, his beliefs hurt me. His beliefs harm me because his beliefs would force me to embrace a moral view that I believe the Bible teaches is wrong. His beliefs disparage the Trinity, the triune God, the Godhood of Jesus Christ himself. His beliefs refute the very words of Jesus. His beliefs claim that Jesus would never judge sexual sin as being wrong. His behavior is being wrong. When The Bible is very clear that Jesus speaks directly against this. I've said over and over again, read Revelation 21. Jesus says, outside are the dogs, those who practice what? Sexual immorality and what? Deception. Well, if it's not deception to claim that a man is a woman and a woman is a man, if it's not deception to teach children that they can choose their gender rather than the biological facts of DNA, physiology, And genetics, if it's not deception to teach teens that they can amputate functioning healthy organs from their bodies just because they want to, just because they're delusional, just because they have a dysphoria, if it's not deception to tell a man that he can pretend that he's a woman and dress and drag and blackface real women, and steal their identity, steal their showers, and steal their scholarships, and steal their rights, and steal their privacy. If that's not deception, I don't know what is. Jesus says, outside are the dogs, those who practice deception and sexual immorality. And I've said before, if you don't think the Bible teaches 
And I'm going to call it what it is, the act of sodomy. That's what the Bible calls it. It's an act. It's a choice. It's a behavior. It's not an identity. The Bible doesn't define people by their sexual inclinations any more than it defines people by any other inclination to, to sin. I've said it a hundred times over. You are the Omago Dei. You're made in the image of God. That's your identity. And if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, the old is passed away, and the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. The Apostle Paul, St. Paul tells us that if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. That's your identity. Not your inclination to lie. Not your inclination to steal. Not your inclination to be greedy. Not your inclination toward avarice. No, that's not your identity. Even though all of us have those inclinations, we're all broken. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the message of Easter. The message of Easter is that you can be transformed. You're not trans-identified. You're transformed. You're not defined by your libido. You can be defined by your Lord. That's the message of Easter. And Don Lemon disagrees with that, and he's declaring a different gospel. You know the shame of it is? There are a lot of evangelical churches out there that probably agree with what he said. The woke church is a joke church. Because if you nod affirmingly to what Don Lemon said on The View, then your church is a joke because it is not holding fast to the truth of Christ and the truth of Scripture. It's creating something new, a God that you seem to like better than the one that has already been revealed to you through the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. Let's take a break, and when we get back, we'll talk more about what the Bible says about Jesus. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. This is The Rebellion. Let's take a couple minutes and thank and acknowledge our corporate sponsors. We will be right back after the break. Welcome back to The Rebellion. Again, let's make the second half of the show. Um, Take it as a response to Don Lemon's claim that that's not what God's all about. Basically, the biblical story is not what God's all about. Now, you might say, well, he was just referring to marriage. Well, do you realize that the New Testament talks repeatedly, repeatedly about the marriage of the church to Christ, the marriage of the church to God, and that God himself, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. And again, we need to remember that Jesus is God. We have this modalism, and modalism is when you establish different modes to God, and you treat the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit without even half knowing it. It's almost subconscious. You treat them as if they're separate modes of God, rather than thinking of them as a unity, a trinity of one person, three in one, which is what Christianity is. I know the trinity is hard to get your 
head around. I, I get that. It's difficult for us to define it. I mean, some people have defined it as a shamrock, you know, several different um, leaves to the same clover. Other people have used the analogy of water, where it's it can be a solid, it can be a liquid, and it can be a vapor. Um, you know, ice, uh, water, and steam, for example. All of those kind of break down because we're trying to get our mind around it, but it helps you understand a little bit, a little bit of what the Trinity is. Michael Reeves, in his book, The Delighting in the Trinity, an introduction to the Christian faith, he prefers to paint the picture of the Trinity being a fountain, an eternal fountain that has flowed from time immemorial. Before the very creation of the earth, there was a fountain, and that fountain was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father might be the rock and the substance of the fountain. It's been there forever. But that fountain is not a fountain unless it's pouring forth water, eternally begetting the Son. And the Son is that life-giving water. So this fountain has been there forever and ever and ever. You can't go back to any time in your mind that the fountain wasn't there because the Father, the rock, the solid nature of the fountain has been there. The sun, the water flowing from the fountain has been there. And the illumination, the light the self-giving light of that fountain. It doesn't need a sun. It doesn't need stars. It gives off light itself. In fact, the Bible even says that about heaven. That there's so much light coming from God himself, the Son himself, the Holy Spirit itself, that we don't need sun and stars any longer. That's our illumination. And the illumination coming from this fountain, the Holy Spirit, this is the reality of the Trinity. I don't know if that helps you or not. It helps me. I like that imagery. And it doesn't matter whether I like it or not. It doesn't matter whether I understand it or not. What matters is that I accept it because this is what the Bible teaches. Let me read this quote to you to set up um, the reading of Colossians as we prepare for Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. This comes from The Stream, and it's John Zmirak. Who wrote this. This is just an excerpt from an article that he wrote about the need to return to the teachings of the Bible as the definition of God. And whether we like it or not is really irrelevant. This is what the Bible tells us. This is what the church has accepted. This is what for 2,000 years has been taught about Christianity and our definition, our definition of God. Now, you can claim that it's constructed by the church and that it's no more value than other religions, but that's not what Western civilization has thought. That's not what Christendom was built upon. That's not what the United States of America was built upon. I've told you before, don't give me this secularist crap that we're not a religious nation. That's not what Thomas Jefferson said. That's not what George Washington thought. That's not what Benjamin Franklin said. That's not what John Adams said. The nature of the church is not separated from our nation, and the nature of our nation is not separated from the church. A different story for a different time. So I want to read to you this paragraph out of an article that John Zmirmak, I think it's Zermak, Zirak, um, I have difficulty pronouncing his last name because it's spelled in a way that uh, I'm not sure. I think it's Zmirak, John Zmirak. 
with the stream. He's an excellent writer. You need to follow him. Read everything he writes. I think he's just superb. Eric Metaxas put me on to him. Listen to this quote. The woke want our churches to welcome unions based on sodomy and palomory. They would force church-owned hospitals to abort babies, castrate and mutilate the mentally ill, and euthanize the elderly. The woke would close down Christian colleges that maintain gospel morals in their dormitories and classrooms. All this in the name of justice and a compassion, which the woke, as Darwinist materialists, have no right to even mention. The gospel must judge our culture and not the other way around. Listen to what he just said right there. This is very important. The gospel must judge our culture, Don Lemon, and not the other way around. The culture, Don Lemon, doesn't judge the gospel. The gospel judges you. Back to Zmerak. If we find that the real historic teaching of Christianity doesn't match up with the talking points of Caesar, Mammon, and Sodom, so much the worse for the later. It might make our lives much harder, but it will also give them meaning. And that's something the woke folk will never, never have. They even seem to realize it which is why they need a new crusade every couple years and can never offer forgiveness. They know that they've made graven images and bowed down before them. Now that's good stuff. That's good stuff. The gospel must judge our culture and not the other way around. And if we find that the real historic teaching of Christianity, of the Bible, of the church, 2,000 years of truth, of fact, of beauty, of goodness, doesn't match up with the talking points of Caesar, the government, Mammon, Google and Amazon and Facebook, and Sodom, Don Lemon, New York City, Subjective identity claims. So much the worse for them. It might make our lives harder. Yes, it will. It will make your lives difficult to stand against this nonsense. But it will also give your lives meaning. And that's something the woke folk will never, ever have. Read this in the stream. This is good stuff. And then he concludes again by saying, They seem to even realize it, which is why they need a new crusade. Do you ever wonder why there's a new crusade? BLM, critical race theory, intersectionality, white privilege, LGBTQ+, all of these new crusades, all of this anger, all of this resentment, all of this marching in the streets, all of these protests and riots. It's because they need something new because they have no anchor point. They have no definition. They have no true identity other than their fluidity. And they don't know the meaning of forgiveness. All they want to do is fight and seek revenge. But they know they've built up these graven images and that they're bowing down before them. They know it. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about Jesus? I challenge you to go read St. Peter's epistle to the the Colossians. Forgive me for Go read the Apostle Peter's epistle to the Colossians. It's very short. Read it today, tomorrow, Saturday, and maybe even read it Sunday morning. 
it's very clear who Jesus is. It's very clear. He's not just a good prophet. He's not just a good man. He's not somebody who suffered injustice and was executed unfairly. Oh, he may have been all of those things, but he's not just those things. As the Gospel of John tells us, he's the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. As I've said before on this show, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. But what does that all mean? What does St. Paul think that all means? Well, in my notation, in my Bible I've written, he means that Jesus is prime, the primacy of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is God. He's the second person of the triune Godhead. This is what it says. Got to move my Bible here for my bifocal. So I... In verse 15 of Colossians, St. Paul says this, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. For by him, listen to this, by him, Jesus, all things were created. You get that? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John. And now we have here Paul saying, he is the image of the invisible God, and for By him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things are held together. And he is the head of the body of the church. That's why marriage does matter, Don Lemon, because the church is the bride of Christ. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his Christ. Excuse me, by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This is the definition of Jesus in the Bible. Don Lemon The primacy of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. The priority of Scripture, that Scripture is the Word of God. The pursuit of truth, that truth is given by God. Not made up by you, not made up by me, not made up by Don Lemon, not made up by the woke church. But revealed to us in Scripture. Via the Word, the Logos, the truth incarnate. In Christ. There's more from Colossians. Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ Lord, so walk in him, just as you were taught, 
See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You are to put off the body of flesh. Having been buried with Jesus in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith. You were dead in your trespasses, but now you are made alive together through Christ. Through Christ, you are alive together in him, having forgiveness of all your trespasses. And he cancels the record of debt that stood against you. I'm going to say it one more time. The Apostles' Creed declares the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Nicene Creed declares the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another creed that we don't read very often, and it's called the Athanasian Creed. And it's very specific. It doubles down on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The triune God, one person, one God, three persons. The unity of the fountain, if you will, the eternal fountain that has been pouring forth the living water of the Son of God for eternity, self-illuminating through the Holy Spirit, rock-solid and immovable, unchangeable, eternal, enduring through the Father. This eternal fountain is the image of the only true God. That is the story of Easter. That is the story of the resurrection. That is the story of the sacrifice of Jesus. That is the story of forgiveness of sin. That is the story of the judgment to come. That is the story of Revelation. That is the story of Genesis. That is the story of the church. And no one, not your woke pastor and not a self-righteous, somewhat indignant secularist like Don Lemon, who wants to shake his fist in the face of the church and in the face of the Bible and say, that's not what God is all about, has a leg to stand on. Because it doesn't matter what Don Lemon says. What matters is what Jesus says. And Jesus told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And when he was asked repeatedly by the Pharisees, the Don Lemons of his day, to clarify himself, he said before Abraham was, I am. And in that particular statement, he said, I am eternal. There's never been a point in time where I wasn't. I am. The great I am has risen. Behold, my Savior lives. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Happy Easter.